is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his... Uh, who is Kent? Uh, the paper just says Kent. What am I... What am I supposed to just say Kent right here? Yeah, just say Kent. That's all, yep. Does he have a title or anything? No, no, he he doesn't have a title uh, or anything. He's, yep, just say Kent. <sighs> With Kent. Nine one one. What's your emergency? No, I'm at the Cordling Resort. My girlfriend. Please. She. What's the matter? Oh. Oh, hi, Kent. There. Hi, Kent. Oh. Hey. Hey, Op. Fancy see you there. You here? Eight minutes after doing the plus episode. We did the plus yeah. on accident. I did. We did the plus before the nine one one this time, and that was my fault. So I apologize about you know having you eat dessert before dinner. <laughs> it also took us four days to record the plus episode. Yeah, we started it. Then you went to Horror Hound Convention, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and then you came back. I did. And now we're here again. And here we are. <laughs> we're going to dig deep into the Horror Hound Convention on our upcoming episode of uh, True Crime. Nope, not that. <laughs> on, what is it? Uh, Tier 13 Campfire. You don't even know podcast. the podcast you're in now. <laughs> I don't. I just start talking. We're going to dig into the, uh, the, the, true, the Horror Hound on a podcast or something <laughs> on Patreon. So many podcasts I lose. I just start. I just start talking and hoping my handlers just tell me what to say, what script to read, whatnot. So that's the way it goes anymore. I'm so so you famous. officially made it. Yeah, I'm there. I can slap whoever I want, you know, and get away with it. Yeah, no consequences, none whatsoever. I slap somebody and then say my life is based on just loving other people. It's great. It's great. Anyway, you get oh, to accept a, a, a trophy. A trophy, Not only that, yeah. But then you get a trophy. Yeah. I guess it is sort of like my life, though. Like, I say things that are probably a little inappropriate, and then I get awards. <laughs> Odd how you slap a guy for making a comment about your wife's haircut, and you don't slap a guy that was plowing her behind your back. <laughs> I'm just not I, – I chalk it up to not being well-versed in today's new age loving relationships. That's – I was like, oh, I must just be out of touch. That's what I – I chalk it up to being willing to hit somebody who you know you're not going to have to face any repercussions for. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock isn't going to hit anybody back. He knows that. No. I got to I gotta be honest. I think Chris Rock's quite the man, actually, for taking the punch. Chris Rock handled that like a champ. And then do – and then – Having the intestinal fortitude to just let it go. I'm confident I would be like pressing charges and we'd still be talking about it two years later, you know. Now, I would be on Will Smith's side if he had went up there and slapped The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> instead of Chris Rock. Right. Like if he slapped The Rock, I'd be like, Will's got a big old set of balls on him. That was <laughs> hell yeah. But he slapped Chris Rock. Who is five foot six and one hundred and forty pounds? Yeah, I've had marionettes that are bigger than Chris Rock, but boy, yeah. that guy's funny. I mean, he just just sad. And I I agree with all of the comedians that are coming out now because they've had to make this argument for a long time because of cancel culture. They've been they've been saying, hey, you know, you kind of put us in crosshairs. Comedy is supposed to be uncomfortable. That's what makes you laugh about it. It's relatable. It's the relatable discomfort. And when you get to the point where you just give people a pass to come up and assault a comedian, they all get a little worried to get on stage. I don't I don't blame them. I mean, Will Smith, Will Smith should have been charged in front of, you know, 20 million people. He 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 did this. Some drunk guy at the improv is not going to think twice about it now. So, I wish he'd slapped Kid Rock. <laughs> When he released that song, Picture, with Sheryl Crow, because it was fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. That song was terrible. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what song that is. And then he whined and bitched on Twitter a lot when we were slapping around IROC <laughs> in the Middle East. <laughs> That's true. And he also drives an IROC Z. So, oh, that's the that's car of my people. Also, it's interesting to think of people that have the name Rock and are celebrities feel qualified to say they're thinking of running for president of the United States. Both Kid Rock did that, didn't he? As well as The Rock. The Rock. Yeah, they both they both are like they you know, I think Kid Rock thinks he's the the wild redneck version of Donald Trump and The Rock thinks he's the strong version of Barack Obama. I think that's kind of the parallel there. I think The Rock leads a little bit more right than Barack. Maybe. And Kid Rock we leans Way more rot than both of them. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. I actually have a nine one one call uh, where where Kid Rock's wife calls in uh, a death of of one of his assistants. I should put that in an episode sometime. It's kind of interesting because at one I've point I've heard it before. Yeah, it's really his his buddy died. Four wheeler wreck laid out there all night. And then they found him the next morning. Yeah. It's was, it was sad that, you know, at one point, though, it, my ears perked up because Kid Rock got on the phone and then got really mad and started screaming, and it sounded just like a Kid Rock song, and I kind of started bobbing my head to hit the screams. I was they like, were like yeah. yeah, it was weird when they asked him what his name was, and he goes, my name is Kid! <laughs> exactly. I thought that was odd. It was fun. And then he did the same thing with his phone number, though, and that seemed a little excessive. But Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. What? Uh, hey, Kent. Oh, hey. Hey. Hey, what is... Hey, Daddy. Hey. <laughs> oh. Lay it on me. Lay it on me, Daddy. Oh, my gosh. What do you got? Uh, <clears throat> what is the highest height that you have ever jumped from? The fuck? Oh, fuck. I don't know. What? <laughs> Stupid fucking question. No, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, like free falling? I don't know. Controlled fall, free fall. I bungee jumped. Oh, okay. So maybe, what is that, like 200 feet maybe? I don't know. Four or five stories? Did you ever have to jump out of a plane during boot camp or anything? I jumped out of a helicopter Okay. boot camp. All right. But... Um, it was stationary. It was welded to a tower. That's. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'd even call it jumping out of a helicopter. Then, you you jumped out of a helicopter shaped platform. Weld a car to a building, and if you jump out of that car, did you jump out of a car? Yes, you did. I would say I jumped out of a car shaped platform. <laughs> it was a helicopter, decommissioned helicopter, uh -huh. welded to a mm. to a tower. Yeah. So, okay, all right, yeah, we'll call it Black Hawk Down Syndrome. It's kind of, you know, the assistive version of the real badass. Yeah, it's like jumping out of a helicopter with training wheels. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. go there, we'll go there. Uh, what do you think is the highest that you could jump from and survive? I don't know, four or five miles? <laughs> I'm partially laughing because of that distance and also partially laughing thinking of how far you didn't must have gotten in school. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Oh, man. <clears throat> it's not four or five miles. You'd literally be in um, in space. <laughs> okay, get them all right. No, you wouldn't be in space. But um, all right, I'm going to give you a couple examples of people that have jumped from uh, certain heights and survived. Uh, this first one, his name is Luke Aiken, and he jumped from an airplane 25,000 feet in the air without a parachute and land in a, landed in a net uninjured. Was it like a like a, a net that was there for him, or was it a fisherman's net? No. It, or was it 
No, it was a lady named Annette, and she was just really, uh, you know, kind of, she had a lot, a lot of mass. And God, rest in peace. She, she cushioned she the blow. She splatted. Yeah. Like, but he was he, just laying there in mush. But he survived, so that was cool. No, uh, yes, it was, a, it was a planned stunt. It was, I believe, a Red Bull thing. Um, if you've how never, many miles is that? 25,000 feet? Yeah. Uh, just, well, 5,280, I believe, is feet is one mile. So that sounds about right. Five. Oh, I see where you're going. You're, I see what you're doing. You're making correlation with your five-mile comment. <laughs> I, see, I see what's happening here. You're trying to tell me you did go to school. I think a mile is 1,000 feet, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's super not. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> it's going well. Yeah, this so far is really good. <clears throat> On YouTube, though, if you've never seen the video of him doing it, I highly recommend you look it up. There really are very few things outside of a rousing discussion about coins or a fine vintage root beer that have gotten my heart racing as fast as watching that video. Well, I guess there was that almost heart attack I had a little bit ago, but that was more involuntary. If you discount all my voluntary fast food consumption— that was pretty much involuntary. But back to the topic, that, that is a cool video to watch. You should look it up. Luke Aiken, jump, and you'll find it on YouTube or wherever you procure your videos. Okay. Uh, speaking of heart attacks, you had a bunch of portable heart monitoring stickers on your chesticles the last time we were video chatting. How, how, are, you, how are you doing? You still got a ticker that is tacking to a tight tacit? It's still ticking. Uh, yeah, I had a, a scare and had to go to the ER, and they slapped a bunch of decals on me and made me uh, do wear a heart monitor, and I took it off, and that's that. So, okay, so you got to take it off before you went to Horror Hound. You didn't have to go to Horror Hound as, like, Heart Man or anything like no. that? Okay. No. That would have been cool, though. And I don't know if I'm dying or not, and I don't really give a shit. Well, I kind of do. Actually, I, I've heard Patreon numbers go through the roof when you have a death in the business family. So, yeah, I, I wish I wish you well. I'm trying to make you and Jack millionaires. Yeah, do not die. But if you are, we will market the heck out of it. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. We won't. You better. We will. I give you permission. We definitely will. Um, oh, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. I know that's that's a kind of weird stuff, having had sort of something similar about a year ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, just heart started jackhammering out of my chest, and yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go to bed, and my wife was like, go to the emergency room, and then I was like, I don't want to, and she was, I think she was just afraid that she would wake up in the morning next to a cold stiff, Yeah, and I was like, I'm not going, and then I woke up still warm and malleable. And, and then and, you went. And then my heart started jackhammering again. And oh. then I went. Oh, so it was at night. You slept, woke up. It did the same thing. And then you're like, yeah, I better go. Yeah. Yeah. It was still Jack Cameron. Like mm. a, as Ash Williams says, a quarterback on prom not. Oh. Because <laughs> of all the successful passes or. Yeah. Yeah. All the contact his hand was making with the crotch of the center. Is that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I thought that's what you meant. And then they strapped me up like RoboCop, only not as cool. Told me I wasn't allowed to shower for three days, so I was just a stinky RoboCop. Sort of normal, though, you know, right? I mean, if we're... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think RoboCop smelled like? I think he smelled like a cross between metal and... 10W30? Pancreas. Probably. Because there were human elements in Mm. him. Yeah. They just just, uh, stapled his face to the... (laughs) That the robot, yeah, it was crazy. The robot frame, just go ahead and leave the face off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the eighties. People did weird things. Good, good podcast. And that's been nine one one calls with the (laughs) operator. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Hugs, everybody. What? (laughs) All right, fine. Here's another one. Gary Connery, he jumped out of a helicopter that wasn't welded to a pole. At 2,400 feet, wearing only a wingsuit and hopefully underwear, uh, he landed in a pile of cardboard boxes and was fine. It's also a video worth checking out. 
The only criticism I have is that I would have gone with something softer than cardboard boxes, like maybe like a quarter mile of pillows. I'm sure that the my pillow guy would have loved to donate a quarter mile of pillows. Or I think there's probably a lot of unsold pillows left over from David Hogg's defunct pillow project, Good Pillow. Probably a lot softer than boxes. So, you know, you pick your side left or right and get yourself a quarter mile of pillows. It'd be hard to stack pillows a quarter mile up. You know what? I I cha- I take that as a challenge because every morning, I don't know what your bed's like, but I stack almost a quarter mile of throw pillows on back onto my bed that never get used for anything except yes. for aesthetics. Yeah, every pillow that, that except for the one under my head gets thrown into the corner of the room. Yeah, I don't even understand it. Yeah. I don't understand it. But that's not that's not my place. That's not my place. My place and is And in Baraboo, I slept on the couch in the basement. You did, which which I felt bad about, and I offered you my room because it had a TV in it, but then it also didn't have TV on the TV, so it wasn't really going to be a solution. So You didn't have Netflix in there? Well, I had a Roku in there, but it was, like, not working. The batteries were dead or broken. So. I'll tell you who didn't sleep much was Jack Luna. Yeah. We would go to bed at, like, one thirty in the morning. I would get up at, like, 8 and he would be sitting at the table. He's like, I went to Walmart, went and checked out the park. He'd already been out and about a town. It was like eight in the morning. Yeah. He'd already cleaned everything up. He's six beers in. Yeah. He's six beers in at 830, and he's like just humming, clean as we go. We clean as we go. Yeah. That, that guy does not sleep. Speaking of RoboCop, that guy's he's robotic. And eats like a rabbit. Doesn't eat anything. Yeah, when I hugged both of you, he he's he's a slender build, um, six two, I think, maybe six two, something Probably. like that. Yeah. We're about the same height, he and I. And uh, hugging you was it was more confident. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it was a confident embrace when when I hugged you. It was it was like hugging a very kind boulder that has fridge. a southern accent. <laughs> yeah, like a mini fridge. But more than a mini fridge, like a maxi fridge. So, yeah, that was fun. I had a lot of fun hugging you guys. <laughs> we and you kept hugging us yeah. all weekend. It yeah. was thought that's yeah, kind of I thought that was a very plan. affectionate guy. Well, oftentimes some of those hugs were not exactly voluntary. It was like, "Wake up. Wait. Wake yeah, up. Wake up in an embrace. Are you <laughs> Are you breathing? I like how you woke me up from 12 foot away, too, by the way. Well, hey, that was because I didn't know if I was going to be re- you know, reenacting Black Hawk down with you with your with your, uh, your CPAP machine mask on your face. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm I was going to shark. I was like, way far You would wake me up from across the room. <laughs> I felt like, like I felt like a shoulder tap was inappropriate. Like that's like mom like Matthew tap. Broderick trying to get a girl out of her bedroom. <laughs> well, I don't know what the equivalent of uh, ten sheets to the wind is when you're just high, but I didn't know what to expect. So I thought you just I'd... went outside and threw pebbles at my window, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we had to do a live stream, <laughs> so I had to get you up. Uh, speaking of CPAP machines, if you ever snore or, or don't breathe well at night, I highly recommend one. I got one. Changed my life. Yeah, we got the same one. We do. CPAP brothers. Yeah, we had we matched them up, and they were twinsies. Uh, all right. Um, got one more. All that's left now is to be pap smear, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got one more height-related thing here. Um an American guy holds the record of three of thirty-seven feet nine point five inches for the highest shallow water dive into a pool of only twelve inches of water. Well, I say dive, but it was more like a very high belly flop. He did it over in China because they're really into diving over there. Also, human rights abuses. Honestly, though, I, I, because of the human rights abuses, I think that's why they let him do it, because it just seemed like abusing a human to do a belly flop from that height. He he did survive without injury, though. Congrats, Darren Taylor, or he, as he is more commonly known, Professor Splash, which is a really creative name. 
You've reached a new height and made a splash in our hearts. Oh, God. <laughs> he's still doing that. Those dives. I don't know why he stopped at 37 feet and 9.5 inches. Because, you know, commit. Go to 40. Maybe he knows something we don't, though. Or how about this? Just go to 38 feet. Yeah, exactly. You're right there. Does that three inches really matter that much? Uh, oh, hey, hey, Kent. Hey, Kent. Oh, hey. Hey, have you ever been hit by a woman? And if so, did you deserve it? Yes and yes. Ah, okay. Is there a story there or do you want to just leave it at that? I was arguing with a girlfriend one time running like 70 down the interstate, and she reared back and just realigned my jaw for me. Whoa. Were you, you were and, driving uh, or she was driving? I was driving. Oh, that's safe. Yeah. Today. And I'm sure, I don't, I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but I'm sure I said something. I probably had that coming, Yeah, I would imagine. I was engaged once to a, a no other way to put it, except for I was engaged to an abusive woman. Um one of those situations where you didn't really know her until you got to know her better. And then you find out that she's kind of one of those people that just is more comfortable in an argument than in normal just being happy in life. And we'd argue all the time. And she hit me all the time. And that's something that, you know, you don't isn't talked about very much is, you know, men that are abused. But she she hit me a lot. And uh and it messed me up. And I remember the last time I ever saw her actually was we we're standing in a in a room and we were arguing and I see her wind up to to punch me. And uh, as the fist is coming my way, I just grab her arm for the first time ever. And it was like this instant awareness of the difference in our size and mass and strength. Yeah. I grab her. I didn't grab her arm. I grabbed her wrist as it came toward my face. So I grab her wrist because I was done getting you hit. You were like, no hit. Yeah. No and, hit up. Yeah. And she, she responds because I instantly let her go. But she responds by holding her wrist going, oh, oh my arm. Like I, like I did this to her. And then I walked out. I walked out and I never saw her again. Oh, so I'm on her side. I was for a long time, actually. It messed me up. I, I had a hard time dating. I had a hard time, like, with physical <laughs> interaction with girls. Like, even, like, a pat on the shoulder. I felt it, it messed me up. I'm only me. laughing because I, I, I feel like this is a vulnerable moment for you. Yeah, it's super vulnerable. And I remember that time that my grandmother was dying. <laughs> and you slammed me with a bunch of eggplant emojis because you thought it was funny. I knew you'd bring that so, up. I knew you'd bring it up. <laughs> uh, I deserve that. If this I, was anybody else, I wouldn't laugh at you. Yeah. But. It's weird. Getting abused really messes with your head. And uh, I don't know. I, I It really, yeah. Anyway, I'm moving on. <clears throat> okay, well. You were talking about how it affected your future relationships. How, yeah, how it, I mean, just any physical interaction. I felt like I was... Um, uh, like like I was I was too strong. Like I'd pat I I I couldn't like I couldn't touch a girl. I could I pat on the shoulder felt wrong. I, I kind of for like six months, six eight months, I I lost my kind of barometer on how to interact with people uh, f physically. And uh, it, yeah, you're like baby Huey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it took a little while to wear off, but it wore off, and then I got back to hitting people. So. Like what's the guy from uh, of Moss and Men? <laughs> yes, the um, the sling blade guy. You just pet soft things <laughs> yeah. and break them on accident. Yeah, like Helen Keller, you know, squashing her bunny rabbits or ducks or whatever. Yeah, that was me. Uh, but those days are behind me. Now I have a podcast. So, all right. Well, today we're going to listen to a call that rides that line of human endurance from a couple's argument that was hard for everyone around to endure to a fall from a height that is, I guess I'll just say it, it was unsustainable. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm miles. I'm really <laughs> not miles, not miles. They were not arguing in, in you know, the, the, the nether reaches of space. <laughs> no. Have you seen that video of that guy jumping from space? Yeah, the, yes. That was crazy. Like, I didn't realize that without air, you just start spinning like a crazy whirly gig. Yeah. 
That was amazing. That was frightening too. Sponsored by Red Bull. Yeah. And then he hits the atmosphere and like starts on fire. That was crazy too. They said that he uh, almost passed out at a few points, I would imagine. I would imagine. I would. Yeah. I pass out just from drinking Red Bull. I couldn't imagine jumping out of a plane sponsored by him. Is it weird that I feel like jumping out of something in space would be less scarier than jumping like two stories high? I feel like at a certain point you get so high that it's not scary anymore because you're not even really looking at the ground. Yeah, I I did skydive one time, and the thought I had when I jumped out of the plane was, oh, I I have no idea what's down there. Like, I couldn't make out anything. Like, you're supposed to land on a, you know, a patch of ground that's, you know, predestined as the place to land. Everything looked like foothills. You land in the parking lot of a Kmart. (laughs) Yeah, I was was lucky I didn't, like, you know, like, float away and, like, land in another county. I really had no—it was very disorienting. It was weird. But, okay, so in this case, in this call— Ian E. James and Lene Sprung Hambrus. It's an unfortunate middle name in this case, but we're going to move on. Lived in Baton Rouge. Sprung Hambrus? Sprung, just like springing, like jump. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But <clears throat> Lene, uh, they both lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they were. Uh, of vis- course they did. Yeah. And they, and they were visiting Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Both town names are French, but that's where the comparison's in. Coeur d'Alene means heart of the all, a name given to the native tribes of that area by the French traders for their sharpness of their trading skills. And I don't know if you knew this, but Baton Rouge means red stick, named after a bloody stick. So there's that. What's the story behind that? Well, I think there's more to that story, but that's a fun place to leave it for now. Okay, fine, I'll tell you. So apparently there was a there was a tree and it had a bloody stick on it and that became a marker, an identifying marker in the area and then the town grew in that area. That's it. <laughs> I'm thinking about starting a side job as like a, you know, social studies professor. Is that where the word, so is the word that, so police carry a baton. Mm -hmm. Stick. Is that French for stick? Yeah. Just baton? Yeah. So it's really should be pronounced baton rouge. Yeah. Or did the police carry a baton? Or a baton. Yeah. Baton. I want to say that the next time I get hit by one. You hit me with your baton. Uh, I'm not going to hit you again. (laughs) I would. There's definitely more to that story, but I was trying to make, you know, a severe contrast between the the very French names. So, Uh, but that punchline's dead and buried. So, Ian and Lene were in town for an upcoming high school reunion scheduled for that weekend. Uh, It was July 30th, 2009. And the lovers had checked in for a four-night stay at the Coeur d'Alene Resort, a resort rated by Zagat as one of the best vacation destinations in America. Obviously, they've never stayed in a giant potato in the middle of a field with its very own dairy cow and a bath in a grain silo for your honeymoon. And you legitimately have. I have. I give it 10 out of 10 stars on Airbnb. So, there's that. Beat that heart of the all- Anyway, uh, they were staying at this pretty nice place and decided to drink beers and drink wines. And this led to them talking about their relationship. And that led to an intense talk about their relationship. And that led to the call that I'm about to play for you. You ready for me to hit play on this? Oh, hit it, Daddy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Every time I forget you're going to say it that way and... I'm going to play it right now. Here we go. Yeah, hit it hard. <laughs> 911, what's your emergency? No, I'm at the Cordwain Resort. My girlfriend, please. She, what's the matter? I'm at the Cordwain Resort. I understand. 
said where you are. What room are you in? I'm at 1250. Okay, 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 listen to me. What room are you in? not all right. Yes. It's all right, sweetie. Stay on the phone. It's okay. It is okay. How old is she? It, listen to me carefully. Are you on the water side? Does the cop have Yes, Okay. Oh, it's okay. Stay on the phone. Not okay. It's all right. Just before you called me? Okay. I called I call hotel security. You called security first and then you called me? Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I called security. It's okay. Is, is, secu is security there with you? Yes. Okay. All right. I want you to tell me, did, she, did you see her fall? No. No. Okay. All right. You're, you're doing great. What? How old is she? Okay. It's a. You know what? It's okay. Let, all right. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Are you sitting down? Oh my God. All right. What is? What is your name? It's my girlfriend. My name's Ian. Ian, what's your last name? James. Ian what? James. James. Are you from here? I'm uh, born and raised, and I don't live here now. Okay. Okay. Reunion and my dad's surgery, and she came with me for my reunion. And where do you live now? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. All right, and what is her name? Her name is... Ian, stay with me, buddy. You're doing great. Ian? It's okay, hon. It's all right. What is her name? Her name is Linnea Hambrice. L-Y-N-E-A. Hambrice. H-A-M-B-R-I-C-E. Hambrice. Okay, and are you guys are facing on the water side. And why did she, did she say anything to you? Yeah, we went upstairs to drink a bottle of wine and brought some of it back and she was... Was she intoxicated? Yes. Alright. Did you have a little bit of a disagreement? Um, you're doing... Didn't, you're doing she fine. She did. Okay. She got really mad at me because I wasn't paying enough attention to her, she said. Alright. I was a... 788 I was not uh, receptive to her dances and I was tired. She was okay. so mad. So okay. mad. Well, she comforted me up here and I was. All right. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Copy. No, right. It's going to be a. Listen, right. you just calm down. Right. Just calm down. It, you just, people are going to ask you a whole lot of questions, and you're going to need to be able to stay a little bit focused. I know you're stressed out. It's okay. Just hang in there. It's all right. I'm just going to stay on the phone with you until law enforcement gets on scene. Ian, are you okay. 38 years old? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, I am. All right. Okay. Is what is, is that security? Yes. What are they saying? Nothing. Are they on the balcony? Yes. Oh, I can't believe uh, it. I cannot believe it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm taking the resort out. Thank you. That's okay. I'm going to put him in. What do I do? You just stay on the phone with me until law enforcement comes upstairs and contacts you. Okay. 
That's all I'm asking you to do. They will come upstairs as soon as they are ready to come and see you, but they're going to look for her first, so just stay on the phone. Okay. I wasn't fighting. She was mad at me, too. She was screaming, telling me she wanted to jump and kill herself. And she was watching it right here, and she was going to... Yes. Yes. I don't know what's in here. It's prescription stuff. Um, three to four years. We've been dating about three years. Ian. Yeah. Is that the security guy or the officer? Yes, it's the security. Okay, I want you to stay on the phone then until the officer's with you. I know. You did the right thing by calling immediately. Okay, honey, I'm going to let you go. All right, bye-bye. <clears throat> you okay. didn't tell me that it was a lesbian couple. <laughs> I don't know. Is it not? <laughs> you mean Ian and Linnea? Ian, that wasn't Ian, a woman on the phone? No, that was a man in distress and... His voice must have gone a couple octaves higher during his... Uh, I'm assuming you mean because of his voice, he sounded a bit feminine. Is that well, weird? you know how you picture people whenever you hear their voice? Yeah. What I immediately pictured was, a, in my head, I saw a woman with a buzz haircut mm -hmm. and like a Hurley shirt. <laughs> And skateboard shorts, <laughs> and uh, and like DC shoes. Yeah, C close, close. Could you? Okay, picture this: a man. It's a man, and he works in finance. Does that kind of okay. fit fit the visual? Now? Hand in hand, and yeah, they're pretty much yeah. one in the same. I wasn't even making a job. I thought that I thought this was a lesbian couple. No, no, it's actually yeah, no, it's a it was a man. On the phone. Um, That's going to cause some problems. Yeah, because of his high voice. You mean in his life it's going to cause problems? No, I problems. mean me saying that. Oh, no, no, That's no, no. No, it's fine. It's fine. We are we are accepting and... Uh, yeah, it's not a matter of accepting. That's just what I pictured. I don't think that's... No. A problem? Is that a... That's just what it's I not pictured. not a problem. I genuinely, the entire call thought, oh, this is a lesbian couple and the more masculine... Of the of the couple has accidentally or personally or purposely knocked this other young lady off of the balcony. Right. Yeah. As you, as you as you might assume, and and in this case, it it isn't that it's a man with okay. a high level of stress, and so he 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 had a high, very high, an, an abnormally high voice during his level of distress. Uh, probably higher than he has in normal day life as he's operating in finance. So, but okay. like, like you said, two, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to him. To, yeah, <clears throat> to him. And he thought that either his father's surgery. <laughs> hey, I got two fun facts to know and share for you. Okay, fucking just say it. What? <laughs> Did you know it only takes ten pounds of force to dislocate a person's windpipe? That's why you were researching that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you saw my Google search. I, di I didn't know that. No. Yeah. That and also it took four rupees to finish this script because I kept writing it and rewriting it and going, oh, I'm not funny. This isn't funny. There's nothing funny about this. And it's truly, there's nothing funny about it. But my job is to bring the heat of 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 some of some kind of relative gallows humor, and I struggled to find it. So okay, it, here I am. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm very glad you're here. So all right. So this whole incident was actually chalked up to simply an accident. Uh, witnesses' accounts from an adjacent hotel room lined up with the actual testimony that was given by Ian that night and uh, of that night and its events. Um, Ian told police... Well, that, everything that he was... He sounded genuine. Yeah, yeah. And he, he didn't say... You know, sometimes there's pregnant pauses or the stories 
kind of discombobulated because they're assembling it as they're going. This is interesting. For anybody that ever is trying to lie, we learned this from Mindhunter, that a liar often uses more words than they have to. And in this case, you can kind of draw a line to that this guy was being genuine because his answers were very short, very succinct. And that's an indication that the person is actually telling the truth. So if you're trying to get away with a lie, remember that. Say less things in your lie. Or if you're telling the truth, that's how you know you're telling the truth. But you would already know you're telling the Girlfriend, truth. Girlfriend, dad. Yeah. Okay, back Did to- you jump off the- Yes. Back to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very short, very succinct, very straightforward. Okay. All right. So um, Ian, he told police that uh, he had not been receptive to her advances, and it made her, quote, so mad, so mad. And that was the only thing about this call where I was like, well, that's, that's obviously a lie. That is not part and parcel to the male species to not be yeah. respect, receptive to a female's advances. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that because the rest of the call seemed pretty darn genuine. They'd, they'd been discussing and subsequently arguing over the lack of intimacy in their relationship. And according to Ian, Linnea had gone out on the balcony a few times and made comments about just wanting to kill herself. She had actually at one point climbed up on the railing of the balcony and Ian was able to talk her down after that. Like Jenny from Forrest Gump. <clears throat> did she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she did that too. Forrest Gump comes up a lot in our podcast when you and I podcast it together. Does. Maybe it we does. should just do a whole podcast review of Forrest Gump. That'd be fun. Hey, uh. Yeah. You ever been so horny that you just jumped off a building? <laughs> no. No, I have not. No. Oh, I can't take the hornies anymore. Got it. Jump. And the, oh. definitely would be the climax of the night, though. Oh. Sorry. After that, he went, after pulling her down off the railing, he, he went back into the hotel room and into the far room away from the balcony. Uh, the neighbors around this time heard furniture sliding across the floor and then heard the sliding door to the balcony open again, some bumping and thumping, and then someone came sailing past their window. Their room was located just below the room with all of the arguing in action. Uh, Ian heard the same thing and was alerted when he heard the bumping and came out to witness that Linnea had fallen from the 12th story balcony to her death below onto the first floor. Oh, she fell onto the first floor? She fell all the way down, too. Well, I guess it would be the first floor because if you go— The ground floor. Ground floor, G. Yeah, G. She fell all the way to G. She fell all the way to G, to, to the ground. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's quite a distance. Body almost almost uh, obtains terminal velocity at that height. Uh, so she probably hit the ground around 100 miles an hour, which is really hard to uh, walk away from. Yeah, or walk ever again at all. Yeah. Police were issued a search warrant for the room and their belongings, and that search warrant allowed the police to scour the couple's room at the luxury lakeside resort where they seized a laptop, a ring, a watch, a purse, a cell phone, and a prescription bottle made out to Linnea. Um, the coroner said Linnea's body landed in a particular way consistent with a fall, which, once again, oh my gosh, I want that job. That, that, how do you get a job as a coroner? Because it is the most Captain Obvious job in the world. I want that job. I just see him standing there for 15 minutes with his hands on his chin. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. No, Broken what did glass. You... Oh, no, she didn't jump from a window. She. <laughs> <laughs> what now? What did you say happened? Oh, she fell. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put that down okay. here. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> Third one this week. Is there a serial killer? Could be, could have been the fall, I guess. It's only 12 stories. That's, that's three miles. How many miles is that? <laughs> oh, this is no laughing matter. Uh, 
So they they got the search warrant. But the the de- so the coroner did say that the the body landed in a way that was consistent with the fall. In particular, he explained hold that on, because hold on, hold on. how do you land in a way that is consistent with a fall? Isn't no matter how you land, that's consistent with a fall. <laughs> but I, I I think what he was getting at was that it was consistent with an accidental fall because he elucidated that had she been pushed or jumped her body would have landed farther out than it did. Um, oh, so, okay, I got you. Know, you. Yeah, I think he's sense. going kind of the physics, the arc of the body fall, the, 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 the path it took. A uh, toxicology report concluded that Linnea's bloody, bloody alcohol, <laughs> Linnea's blood alcohol, I guess it was bloody alcohol too, but, but we're going to go yeah. with just the, ter- the standard term of blood alcohol. Her blood alcohol level was 0.23. The local legal limit to drive is 0.08, but I'm not sure what the legal hotel dwelling limit is. There really should be one because have you been in hotels when there's drunk people or, or uh, you know, inebriated people? Have you been in a hotel like adjacent to a room? Over the weekend. Okay, yeah. And how was that? It's always a miserable experience. Yeah. One time I was on a business trip in Las Vegas, and I'm in a literal motel, not a hotel. No, was it a hotel? No, it was a motel. And the walls are paper thin. And I had to listen to this group of four individuals, two men, two women, over the course of like six hours, have sex and do drugs and drinks and everything. And it it was all made worth it, though. At one point, one of the guys says, I think I'm going to go get some Coke. And the girl goes, I don't think that's a good idea. That's not smart. You should rethink that. And he said, look, I've been drinking and doing drugs all day long. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I went to sleep. Uh yeah, so, you know, they're inebriated, they're fighting, this is all going down. She's three times over the legal limit. Suffice it to say, though, it looks like it may have contributed to her not being able to maintain equilibrium, at the very least, on the balcony handrail, which, once again, is indicative of the fall, not a jump or a push. This is one of those just simply sad stories where a mistake ends a life. She seemed like a great woman, actually, and had truly contributed to the lives of her community and her family back home in Baton Rouge. Oh, really, the operator? How do you know? Do you know her or something? All right, well, I guess I should tell you that I've orbited near where Linnea lived uh, at a time, as in the case with many of the people in the calls that we cover, not to mention many close brushes with an unsettling number of serial killers living in the same area where I seem to live. It seems that I've lived in many places where death has followed. In this case in particular... Linnea and I both grew up in Springfield, Missouri, around the same time. I didn't know her particularly, but she even went to Kickapoo High School there in Springfield, where my sister went. Coincidentally, Brad Pitt also went to Kickapoo High. Do I know Brad? Do I know of him? Yes, I don't know him. Does he know me? Well, I find it odd that we have three Brads that support us on Patreon. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. (sighs) Good stuff. I'd like to keep my friendships private, but all I will say is, Hi, Brad. How is Demi Moore doing? Hope you guys are good. Is Brad Pitt married to Demi Moore? No, but I assume he knows her. You just did you just pick a random actress? Don't you think he knows her? No. They probably know each other. Do you know Joe Rogan? No. Do you? You're a podcaster. <laughs> well, I will say this. Hold on, let me do a quick search. Go to patreon.com forward slash eleven fifty nine media. Do you know Aaron Mankey? Uh yeah. Do I like Aaron Mankey? <laughs> you think Aaron Mankey knows Joe Rogan? Uh, no. I've asked him. He doesn't know him. But I'm doing a quick search of our fans oh, uh, fans on Patreon. Joe. Wow. We have 13 Joes that follow us that are supporters on Patreon. So I guess I could ask the same question. 
Hi, Joe. How was Demi Moore? Hope you guys are good. All right, I'll just... Hey, Kent. What? Do you know what rhymes with Brad's? Thad. Just that. Oh, God damn. Okay. We got to pay the bills. All right. Anyway, yes, Linnea went to Kickapoo High School, and after she graduated, she worked her way to Louisiana, where she ended up residing, working as an integral part of the music program at LSU's School of Music. Music and singing were a very large part of her life and love of life, not to mention raising two little children, teaching fourth grade, and contributing in many other ways to her community. Sadly, Sadly, the life sketch at her funeral also noted how she had lost a one-year-old baby boy back in 2001. Linnea is now singing with the angels and is reunited with her baby. What? With her baby. That's what it, that's what it said in the, the, the life sketch. Oh, I thought you added that. No. Oh, okay. I just thought it was touching. I thought I'd add it, oh. but then I kind of giggled because I knew you were thinking that I wrote it, like, you know, some kind of powerful denouement to this <laughs> episode. But no, I pulled that terrible. right from. Uh, Ian <laughs> went back to Louisiana after this. Uh, no news on whether he attended his high school reunion that weekend. <laughs> he had started a, a finance firm two years prior, and it is now a very successful practice servicing Louisiana, Texas, and Idaho also known as the Big Three. <laughs> uh, hey, Kent. What? Where is the weirdest place that you can recall ever falling asleep? <laughs> You're asking me that? Yeah. Um, you got any funny, funny stories oh. about falling asleep in a weird place? I, I slept. I thought maybe it'd joggle your brain a little. I don't like some funny military story where, yeah, that's the thing. Like you just sleep everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, one time we flipped a Humvee during a a mobile patrol in Afghanistan, and then we had to camp on it for three days in hostile territory. Oh, and I had to sleep in a ditch in a flak jacket for three nights behind a machine gun. Was that hard? And it was, I mean, it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. That sounds hard. I'm leaving. <laughs> this is. <laughs> well, I have a happy ending for you before you go. Whatever, man. Just play it. Whatever. Well, in the following happy ending call, we listen to a guy <laughs> that has quite a story to unpack. He seems to have lugged himself into one of those cases where it's hard to stay grounded. Let's listen as his rudderly crazy story departs from all reason. Shall we? Yeah, man. Okay. Here we go. Hello, I'm trapped in this plane, and I caught my uh, job, but I'm in this plane. You're where? I'm inside a plane, and I feel like it's moving in the air. Flight 448, can you please show somebody to stop it? Where are you in a plane at? I'm inside a plane, Alaska Airlines plane by 448. Are you at the airport? I, I'm at, not in the airport. I feel like it moved because I feel like my nose, nose. Are you by yourself or are you with somebody? Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Two, zero, six, six. You have reached a Verizon Wireless subpoena and court order processing group. This call may be monitored at any time. If this is a 911 or life-threatening emergency, for now. Otherwise, please... Verizon Wireless, this is Joseph. May I have your name and agency, please? Uh, Valley Communications, operator 84. Yes, how can I assist you? I'm getting a subscriber information on the cell phone. Sure, what was the telephone number in question, please? Uh, 206. Okay, that's 206. Correct. 
Okay, that does come back as a voice number. Was this uh, pursuant to a 911 hang-up? Uh... Yeah. Okay, and are you familiar with our uh, exigent uh, process? Have you uh, worked with us in the past? Um, yeah. Okay, did you have a copy of our form on file, or did you need me to... Oh, yeah, uh... I have something I can correct you. Okay, great. We had our fax number, uh, 800 uh, 345. We have it on speed dial. Okay, excellent. <laughs> uh, name we have... Mary A-R... Last name is... Kalu... A-U... Okay. I have an address out of Seattle of 16... Your operator name? Our uh, name is uh, Joseph. Okay, I'll send you a fax. Okay, great. Thanks. Sure. Bye. Bye now. Port of Santa, please. Hey, it's Sally Come. Hey. Um, okay, so I just had this guy call, and he said he was on Alaska Flight 448, and he was screaming at me, saying he couldn't breathe, and he was stuck on the flight. Okay, um, so I don't know if there's any way to check and see, but like his phone was a phase one that was showing way out in Auburn. So I don't know okay. if he's actually there on a plane or not. Okay, so we are actually getting an aircraft landing right now with an alert where we think someone is trapped in the baggage compartment. Oh. Or something else. Oh my gosh, okay. Well. So do you still have him on the line? Can I no. talk to him? He disconnected. Okay. Like it, it got really distorted and then he disconnected and I no answer on the callback. But do you want his cell phone number? Uh, yes, please. It's 202. Okay. And do you know if it's... What's your operator name? 84. Okay. Do you know if it's an Alaska flight? It is an Alaska flight. Oh, yeah, he's at Alaska flight 448, so... Okay, sounds good. Awesome, thank you. All right, thanks. thanks. Okay. Uh, Ken, did you check... Did you catch that part where the dispatcher said that she's faxing something to Verizon? I did. Yeah. Yes. This is because of a little known to the public service called the Verizon Wireless Law Enforcement Resource Team, or LERT. LERT is centralized and handles all requests from local, state, and county, and federal law enforcement nationwide. Basically, they are set up to be a very quick responding uh, division where in cases like this um, – they can receive documentation on a court order or a subpoena or a warrant or in the case with 911 call dispatchers, uh, a fax of some sort that says, hey, we just had a, a hang up. Can you give me all the information behind this phone number? Which is really interesting because if you think about it, we've had like, you remember that guy that went and shot up a whole nightclub in Florida? Was it in Florida or California? Yeah. They had a really hard time figuring out anything about that guy's phone, right? But I think it was because it was an Apple, and Apple refused yeah, to uh, let the police into the phone. I just find it weird that, I mean, I'm sure it's it's not apples to apples, no pun intended, but huh. um, that uh, that she can call and be like, hey, I'll fax you something. And he like gives her a whole treasure trove of information about the phone number's uh, owner. <laughs> and yet, you know, a guy that guns down a whole nightclub, you know, it's kind of mum on, on what's going on there. But anyway, so I digress because uh, she faxed whatever she had to fax, which I'm sure is the fastest way to communicate with Verizon in, a, in an incident like this. But uh, it qualifies as what's called exigent circumstances. And he gives her all the information. And then from that, she can connect some dots and make make a couple calls. So I thought that was quite wild. Also, it tells you a lot about even though flights are uncomfortable for everybody and it seems just so unpleasant, it's easy to forget that the even though the little fan that they give you above, above your head uh, seems to never work, that that whole cabin is pressurized, that you're literally yes. 30,000 feet in the air and you can still breathe like you're, you know. And temperature controlled. Yes. Whereas the cargo hold is not, which is also. And very cold. Yeah, which is also weird to me because have you ever driven a car and like changed elevations, you know, over like a state or two, you know, you go from like sea level to 3,500 feet or whatever. And you're, you have like a lotion bottle that blows up in your luggage. You ever had that kind of thing happen? No, I've had my ears pop. Yeah. But I've never, I don't know where the hell you're driving, but no, I've never had things start exploding in my vehicle. <laughs> it happens. It happens, which makes me 
curious as to why everything doesn't just blow up or implode inside of our luggages that, that are in the cargo hold if they're not pressurized. But anyway, I thought this call was kind of interesting. He didn't die. Where did he so, next show up? In the cargo hold. Yeah, but like where did he climb into the car? Where was the plane at when he climbed in and where did it land? Oh, it was at an airport and he fell asleep in the cargo hold. He was like working, but he fell asleep in it. And then he must be oh, a pretty he's so fired. Yeah. So fired. Also, how heavy of a sleeper are you where you can literally listen to the cargo bay doors close and you don't wake up? Seems very weird. I'll do you one better. How about that neck breaking acceleration from takeoff? Yeah. Like you're that like, doesn't wake you up. <laughs> or the wheels that are like, you know, or the, the, or the ju- violent vibrations after the wheels leave the ground. Yeah. Or that, uh, yeah, that 90 degree angle that they seem to take once they get off of the runway, you know, that kind of pushes you back into your seat. None of that seemed to wake him up. Weird. He was dying from a lack of oxygen in there. Uh, that's enough about cell phone companies and stuff. Oh, hey, one more thing. One more thing. Have you ever heard of a company called Selco Partnership? No. Yeah. That's actually Verizon. That's actually the company okay. name behind Verizon. I didn't know that until I looked all this up, and I thought that was an interesting bit of information. Lots of good stuff about cell phones in this. What about the guy that climbed into the cargo ship, fell asleep, and then... Yeah, I don't have much more on him. Woke he's, up in another state. He's okay. He's okay. He's all right. He they landed. He got they got him out. I think though they made him go through that little luggage carousel where you pick up your luggage. Like I think that's the yeah. that's the process they <laughs> made him take to get back into the airport though. So, and he was fired. So and yeah, to say unemployed. And yeah, had to find a way home. Yeah, crazy things you learn when you look up how. A, Cell phone company can track you down. You know, you asked me the weirdest place I'd ever fallen asleep, and yeah. I completely forgot. Uh, one time I was, my wife, before she was my wife, when she was just a friend, had a Halloween party when we were in our early 20s, and her father had gotten a coffin uh, as a <laughs> Halloween decoration. As you do. And I got really drunk and fell asleep in the coffin, and while I was asleep, passed out in the coffin some other party goers closed it on me, and I woke up in a coffin the next morning. And that is when you really like things got wild. That's not because I am now in a coffin, yeah. and you forget there was one at the party. So you just assume, well, I've died, and they've buried me, and now I'm, it's it was scary. That's a very scary wake up when you black out, and then wake up. In a closed coffin. That would be very scary. Also, it's worrisome. Um, you know, it's not until you have kids that it sends a chill up your spine how silent some uh, some objects are when you close some somebody or something into it, like refrigerators. Oh, coffins are soundproof Cof- when you're inside of them. Right? Coffins are soundproof, refrigerators, freezers. Uh, trunks of cars are surprisingly very quiet. Um, and I just learn, you know, you learn about all that as you kind of grow up and, you know, some kid makes a mistake and gets in a trunk and he shouldn't have been playing there and he may or may not have made it out. But, uh, I remember, I remember one time I got in one of those old refrigerators with the chrome handle that like, da dunk, like unlocks and the, the heavy door opens and I got inside of it. And fortunately, my brother was in the... You know, yeah, this the, sounds like the beginning to a PSA from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. It could have, should have been. Well, I was. it was the 70s. So... Yeah. But he, he saw me do it and then heard the faint screams from inside and he opened it. But boy, you're a goner if nobody's around. that That's a very silent place to take your last breath. So anyway, this was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. One half of a lesbian couple's dead and a guy gets a free airplane ride. Plus oxygen. We learned about that the body needs oxygen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, hugs, everybody. This was terrible. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Well, we did it. Jack and Kent and I met up for the first time ever, and it was a blast. We talk all about it on the latest live video stream that we shared from the cabin in Baraboo, Wisconsin. 
And you can watch the whole thing for free. The whole three-hour live stream is available for anyone to watch over on Patreon. To watch it, go to patreon.com forward slash 1159media and look for the post titled Baraboo Dark Meat Livestream. You get to see all of our ugly faces live. We talk about all the goings-on in the woods there, including uh, desecrating a thousand-year-old Indian burial site that we might have accidentally walked on. But don't worry, we made it all right with the spirits afterward. We also have a flash sale going on to commemorate the epic trip. For a limited time only, if you go to 1159media.com, you can get yourself this Stay Off the Man Mound t-shirt. It acts as a milestone in this podcast's journey and acts as a good reminder to respect Indian burial sites so that the next time you're walking on one, you just look down and see the beautifully designed reminder on your shirt, which helps you to avoid being cursed for the rest of your life, like I might be. While you're watching the live stream, feel free to make yourself a permanent place in the 1159 Media family and join the thousands of others that support our crazy shows on Patreon. For less than a cup of gas, you too can help us pay the bills so we can keep making this hard-hitting, award-winning show and others. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts and from the base of the man mound. We couldn't do this without you. So much hugs to you.